But as we were worshiping, so many thoughts and images were just going through my mind. How he calls us out of our comfort zone so that we get to experience his power, that resurrection power. Because as long as we're doing things in our own strength, we don't get to experience that power. But to be pushed out of your comfort zone, to have life happen to you, it just sometimes bombards you and you just have to realize that he has all the strength. He has all the power. And it is amazing when we step out in faith, he changes us. We talked a few weeks ago about being broken and poor in spirit, broken to be healed. And we discovered that God is God and we're not. Even though most of our world thinks they're in control and they think that they're God and they can manipulate or power their way through a situation. But we discovered that we're powerless to those who are what? Broken. Poor in spirit. Because what? Theirs is the kingdom. There is the world. We, we realize that God has, has come to, to heal us and that we get to have his resources. We talked about how we're broken and how we have to mourn. Remember, turn to Matthew. Let's just turn there. Matthew chapter 5 and get to this passage, the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn over their brokenness, but more than Lawrence, five dollars isn't a big deal. It may not be a big deal, but the brokenness that is now in the relationship, that's why Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn over their brokenness because they realize what they've lost and they want it back. And in that process, it cleans us up to the point that God can start doing a work in our life. If we're playing with God, he's not given the, the, the authority to come in and clean us up. And today is blessed are the meek. Go to that text. It says this, blessed are those who, who are meek. For they shall what? Inherit the, the earth. So let's talk about, nah, we've hit step one. We've hit step two. Let's talk about the definition of being meek and gentle. And I have a little funny thing. Uh, this is real. I'm going to read it to you. But uh, there was a guy named Upton Dixon who created a club stands for, it's an acronym of doormats, dependent organizations of really meek and timid souls if there are no objections. And their motto was, the meek shall inherit the earth if it's okay with everybody else. And their symbol was the yellow traffic light. And even though it's tongue in cheek, most people have this image of being meek and equating it to being weak. That is not what Jesus is saying. He is not saying, blessed are the weak. He is saying, blessed are the meek. And so we have to then ask ourselves, okay, what does it mean to be meek? We have to define biblically this word 
And it doesn't mean weakness. Get that out of your head. It doesn't mean, it means absolutely the opposite. It means that you have incredible strength. Meekness does not be, mean being a coward or being timid. It comes from a, a, a Greek word that can mean soft or mild, like they said, hey, we had a soft breeze today, or I had some mild cheese, I had a mild meal. You could use it that way. But the root of the word defined taking a wild animal and domesticating it. It means taking a wild colt, a wild whatever, and making it obey the master. So it doesn't mean that their spirit is broken. It means that their spirit is harnessed. Their strength is put under control. And that's really what the mean, word means. It means to put under control. Now, I, I, this is important, so I'm, I'm going to go slow so I get it straight. Not that you can't get it, that I get it straight. Being meek has more to do with you and your relationship with God than you being meek with other people. See, I've always approached the text saying, blessed are the meek. That means, oh, I have to be meek. I have to be meek. I have to be meek this way. And it's really this way. When he said, blessed are the meek, it means that you are submitting to him. You are surrendering to him. You are putting down your power to take on his power. Are you with me on that? You want to use his power, not your own power. Now, here's the problem with the word itself, meek. There's no good English equivalent to translate taking a wild stallion and getting a bit and a bridle in it so it can do amazing things that it never could have done before. And that's what the word means. So it's it just, it's, it's a hard word. It means to surrender. Tammy's already mentioned that word through the song set. To surrender to his power. So when he said, blessed are those who surrender to his power. Here's a good example of power under control. A nuclear reactor. In one setting, it's a bomb. In another setting, it, it generates electricity that lights up thousands and thousands of homes. The nuclear reactor is power under control. I don't know if you've th- ever th- thought of yourself as a nuclear reactor. You blow up sometimes, right? But power under control. It doesn't mean being weak and timid and mousy and a doormat and letting people run all over you. It has nothing to do with what Jesus was teaching. He says, you've got this incredible power that comes from God. Now, Jesus himself said he was meek. Yet when we think of Jesus, be honest with me. You don't have to answer out loud, but be honest. When you think of Jesus being meek, because he says he's meek, do you have more of an image of Mother Teresa or Teresa or a warrior that's just coming to town to kick rear? Is that, can I say that? So when I say Jesus says he 
he himself was meek. Do you think of Mother Teresa or do you think of a powerful warrior coming in? Let's be honest, what is it? More Mother Teresa, right? Now he came in in his triumphal entry. He came in riding on a donkey. Gentle and lowly because that's the prophecy. But when we understand what the text is really saying, that he had all this incredible power. He was a nuclear reactor, but he did not just blow up everybody. In fact, turn to Luke, Luke chapter 13 for a moment. There's just a, a little narrative that we should look at. If you don't think that Jesus was power under control, Luke 13 Verses 10 through 17. Luke 13, beginning at verse 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had been, uh, had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are free from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, but not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, sound pretty meek? He's taken on the synagogue ruler. You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his own ox or his own donkey from the manger and lead it away to water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And as he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the people rejoice at the glorious things that were done by him. Doesn't sound very meek to me. Sounds like he was putting people in their places. Jesus is this incredible warrior, and yet at the same time, he's meek. That's what you are. You can be meek and yet a mighty warrior at the same time. Blessed are those who have surrendered their will to God's will, but you have not lost one bit of strength or determination. A wild colt that's brought under to submission will obey the master. Do you remember? I don't know. It's in Luke chapter 9. We won't turn there, but I'll just tell you what happens. Jesus is heading towards the cross. He's in the final last few weeks of his life. And he is going through a Samaritan town. He sends some of his his disciples ahead to find a place where he can spend the night in the town, in the village, and preach there. Now remember, he's heading to the cross. This is going to be their last chance to hear Jesus. He might even intend to share something that he hasn't ever shared with the Samaritans. And it says in the text that the people in the Samaritan town said, we don't want you. Your kind aren't welcome. Get out. You know what James and John did? They turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, let us rain down fire upon that village. You know what Jesus did? He rebuked James and John. Why? That wasn't power under control. 
That wasn't submission of their power. They had the power to do that, but that wasn't God's design, and that's not what it means to be meek. So here's the very first fill in the blank how to be meek. How to be meek. In order, though, to understand it, since it's about our relationship, we have to turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Gives us the recipe, if you want to say, on how to be meek, not how to be a doormat. Chapter 3, beginning at verse 5, it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths what? Straight. Be wise not in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Here's the very first fill in the blank. Trust completely in Christ's power. How to be surrendered? Trust Jesus. Do you work by the sweat of your brow to put food on the table? Or do you work and God provides the food? Fundamentally, two different answers, really. Who really provides your home for you? Who's providing a new truck for you? Who's providing a home for you? Who is it? If we think we're doing it in our own strength, even though we have to be engaged, don't get me wrong, it says that Jesus, or, or the Lord, feeds the birds of the air, right? Yet they're busy all day long. <laughs> so God is providing everything for you. So if you come in with the attitude that i got to do this all on my strength, you know what will happen? You will develop arthritis or something right here because the stress in your neck will get so bad, your head might just pop off, right? But if you say, I'm a child of the king... And I'm going to trust my father to take care of me. Now, that doesn't mean that gives me license to go be irrational or be frivolous. But it means that he is the source. He is the source. Other examples of being meek and are, well, we'll come back to that if we have time. Guys, I'm going to give a guy illustration. I'm going to give a girl illustration. We'll semi, okay? So guys, work with me. Have you ever tried to put a nut on a bolt and it got cross-threaded? And what did you do? Did you back it out and make sure that it got all threaded right? Or were you angry and you forced the nut onto the bolt? Raise your hand if you've done it. Chris, you're smiling. We've all done it. We get so frustrated and it's cross-threaded and we know we're going to use our power, our strength, and we're going to force that nut onto that bolt and then we're going to walk away and hope it never breaks, right? That is not meekness. Meekness means I've got it cross-threaded. I need to do what? Back it off. And get it threaded correctly. Because when it's threaded correctly, what happens? The nut just slides right down the bolt. Right? Now, ladies, here's your example. Square peg in a round hole. You can take a square peg. And you can force it 
into a round hole. And what do you do to both? You destroy them both, right? And then you can't get the peg out. That's what happens when we are not meek. But when we're meek, everything fits together because we are trusting in Him and we're not doing things in our own strength. Here's the second fill in the blank to that, how to be meek. Lean into the Lord's wisdom, not your own. Go back to the text. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Sounds simple enough. In fact, this is a very simple message, actually. It's very, very rudimentary. It's very, very basic. It's very, very elementary. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. That's how we become meek. Because we are not taking things in our own strength. We're giving it over to Him and using His strength to do our life, to fulfill it. But do we trust Him? Do we lean into His wisdom and not your own? Do you trust Him enough to listen to His way of raising kids? Do you trust Him enough the way you're living in your marriage? Do you trust Him enough to run your finances for you? Do you trust Him enough dealing with your own insecurities? Because we all have insecurities. We all have issues that we deal with. Well, what's my purpose in life? Where am I going? What am I doing? What am I supposed to be doing? How come I'm not happy? Why do I want to be happy? You have all these things that run through your brain at 3 o'clock in the morning. Say amen. Amen. Are you going to lean on your own understanding and chase the golden ring that the world's offering you? Power, prestige, wealth, boats, mansions. Are you going to pursue your life in His wisdom? Trust the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Lean into His wisdom. So many times I have almost shot my mouth off, said something ridiculous, did something ridiculous, and the Lord intervened. And I had to make a decision just like you have to make a decision. Am I going to listen to the Lord's counsel or am I going to go on a fishing expedition and find somebody that will agree with my counsel so I'll validate myself and go do it? Are you with me on that? Have you ever done that? The Lord's counsel is right there. You understand it. You're just afraid to do it. Afraid to stuff out of that comfort zone. So instead of trusting the Lord, you're going to trust in your wisdom. And your wisdom is different. And you go and talk to every person you know until they say, yeah, that sounds good. And then you go do it. And then what what do you have? Buyer's remorse, right? Because it's not the Lord's wisdom. Here's number three out of that. In all your ways, follow Him in all your ways. Verse 6 said, in all your ways acknowledge Him. Complete surrender, not partial. We talked about that a few weeks ago. When you tell your child, hey, you poured the milk, you got to drink it all, and they only drink 70% of it, of 90% of it, and they still are just in a little passive rebelliousness, and they're not going to finish it because you told them to. Complete surrender. Follow Him in some of your ways, does the text say? In all of your ways, follow His way. And He will make your path straight. You know what that means? No little lies. 
No little justifications. No little self-pity thoughts. No little sexual fantasies. No little daydreaming about what if and what if and what if. and start Because you know what that feeds? That feeds the selfishness of complaining, doesn't it? And so we're going to trust him in all of his ways. Partial surrender is still full rebellion. So in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your life straight or your past straight, but it's really, he's talking about your, your life. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. That's the last one from, on number two, and that is turn away from evil. Jesus knew when and where to pick a fight. So many times, my flesh gets involved like your flesh gets involved. And suddenly you find yourself in a, in, in a battle with your spouse, with your child, with your worker, with your neighbor, whoever it is, and you think you have self-righteousness on your side, that you somehow are morally right and they're morally wrong, and therefore you're taking the higher ground. Instead of just saying, God, you know everything, I know nothing. I know nothing. Can I, can I be honest with you? Last week when you guys called me, and said, Rob, we're locked out of the building. And I'm, the first thing I had to fight was anger. Because I'm like, I, I kind of made sure that this was all in place. And I just had to, wait, wait a second. There could have been a thousand reasons why it didn't get opened up. There could have been an accident. There could have been a murder. There could have been, who knows? How dare I fall back on my fleshly wisdom because where did it leave, lead me to? Thoughts that were not righteous but were what? Let's say it, evil, wicked. And so you want to be meek? You want to have total surrender? You want to step out in faith and fill His presence? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Characterized, being characterized by meekness can be compared to getting married, which is a one-time event. Who just got married yesterday? I don't even know their names. I know Megan or Markle. And who was the guy? Prince Harry. One-time event. Spilt millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars on a one-time event. Being married? That's a daily event. Can I hear Amen. Is a daily, you know what meekness is? A daily event. It's not a one time event. Being meekness is an attitude of surrender, not to you, although I am to defer to you, I am to, to, you know, but this meekness is I have to surrender to Him each and every day. When you wake up tomorrow, I want you to ask yourself a question Who will I live for today? Will I surrender my will to you today? Or will I live for myself today? Boy, when you have to do that consciously, it will set the whole tone of your day. Lord, I want to live for you today. I am exhibiting meekness. 
I want to surrender so that I can be the spirited wild animal that you put a bit and bridle in, and now we can do amazing things together in your strength. So how do we do that? How do we turn our life over each and every day since it's not a one-time event, it's a continual event? Here's number three. We have to surrender our heart, what we love and how we love. In order to follow him, we have to hear him. Do you ever, isn't that silly that I even have to say that? I have to say that to myself. And let me say it again. In order to follow him, I have to hear him. If I can't hear him, how am I going to follow him? Rob, take a right turn. Rob, take a left turn. If I'm not hearing him, how am I going to tune? That's the key word. I am tuning my heart to his heart, right? We have to, in what we love and how we love. Well, I've said it before, not a junior high love, not a selfish love. It is a true agape love, putting others before. And then I can hear his heart. And then the second thing out of this is, we surrender our mind, what we think and how we think. You have a worldview. You process the world. Everybody's spinning stories out there. Do you remember when Rosie O'Donnell came out and said that radical Christianity, you know, those people that go build hospitals and things like that, is more dangerous to America than radical Islam? Now, that's Rosie O'Donnell. She's speaking her mind. But the sad thing is, is everybody in the audience did what? They clapped. Society's clapping. Radical Christianity is more dangerous than radical Islam. Really? Have you seen the people whose heads have been taken off of them? Now, why would Rosie O'Donnell say something like that? Because Rosie O'Donnell doesn't like what the Bible has to say about her lifestyle. Boy, I tell you what, if radical Islamics came and invited her into their lives, she'd be stoned to death. So I don't know where her thought is, but how you think is important because what you think, how you think determines your worldview. Bible says you've been given the mind of Christ. So guess what is your great, great filter? By the way, Tammy and I, we, we got a reverse osmosis uh, water system in the house and you know what one of those is it has like five filter stages and all of that because I was tired of going to to Walmart and getting really nice water and so in the last few times it was green so we decided maybe we shouldn't get water anymore from Walmart and so I put a reverse osmosis you know that thing is amazing it is filtering out all the junk all the all the heavy metals it's taking out contaminants, five filters it's going through. That's what the Bible is for your spirit. It's a reverse osmosis system. The more you are in the Word of God, the more it is your filter on how to think about this world and how to process this world. It is the thing that develops your worldview so that you know how to live in a world that's falling. And so let me encourage you, be in the Word. Be in the Word. It is your filter. You want to be meek? You know what? It, what how does, 
God feel when he looks down and he opens up the roof of Lawrence's house? No, we won't pick on Lawrence. We'll pick on Ryan. He opens up the 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 heavens and, and the, your roof just splits open and he looks down and Ryan is there with the word of God open and he's reading it. What do you think is going through God's heart at that moment? Is he pleased? Is he excited? Is he going, oh, I'm going to really give him something to look at today. You know, that's, that's that filter that's shaping Ryan into a godly man. That's what, that's what we're up to be about. So we surrender our heart. We surrender our mind. And then the last that we do not have, so I, somehow I, I got rid of the slide, but it's we surrender our will, our will. What we do and how we behave. We surrender our will. What we do how we behave. Blessed are the surrendered ones, for they will inherit the earth. You could put that, that's, that's really the language. Blessed are the surrendered ones. In a war, what are you trying to win? In World War II, what was Hitler after? The world. <laughs> what was Japan after? The world. What was Mussolini after? The world. In a war, you're always after land. Isn't this interesting that God says, surrender to me and I will give you the land. That's that imagery of, of winning. He said, when you surrender, you win. When you surrender your heart, mind, and soul and your strength to the Lord Jesus, you win. You don't lose. So meekness isn't so much about this way as it is this way. I surrender to you and I win. I don't know if you have a competitive spirit, but I like winning. I do. And during vacation, we played board games and I lost. I was not happy. Because I like to win. We all like to win, truth be told. But what do we win in when we are meek before the Lord? We win in our marriages, right? We win in our parenting. We win in our friendships. We win in our purpose in life. We win with joy. We win in our finances. We win in our thought life. We are more than winners. We are what? conquerors. We become conquerors through Christ Jesus when we keep surrendering all. Let me close. I've gone long just to make up for last week not being here. At the end of World War II, Japan has to surrender. They have a big ceremony. Oh, uh, I forget all the heavy-duty admirals that were there. But it was on September 2nd. It's an unconditional surrender. It's 1945. It's aboard the U.S. battleship Missouri. It's in Tokyo Bay. After the signing of the unconditional surrender, Japan's representative held out his hand to General MacArthur. And do you know what General MacArthur did and said? Any of you know? 
He said, first surrender your sword. The man took his sword off, handed it to the General MacArthur. General MacArthur stuck his hand out. It is the same way with our Heavenly Father. We have to stop fighting Him. Stop fighting and running from Him. Totally surrender. Even our sword we give to Him. And He says, now, now we can have peace. Let me pray.